Dr. Airsoft's here. He's done a number of online blogs about uh, iPro safety gear. Airsoftmedicine.com. So, yeah, give him a round of applause. Yeah! Who's missing their field uh, card? Hey, this is Master Sergeant Mad Max Mullen. I want to encourage you all. And matter of fact, I'm going to give you an order to listen to Airsoft Medicine for the latest reviews on safety and equipment. Because one of the um, premier things is safety, whether it's on the real fields of battle or in the airsoft world. So that's an order. Airsoft Medicine. This is Mad Max. Ranger out. This is Adam from Take Aim. Be sure to check out Airsoft. All Dagnabbit, man. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Screw you. All right. Take Aim Magazine. Okay. This is Adam from Take Aim Magazine. Be sure to check out the Airsoft Medicine Podcast. Oh, move over, Rover, and let Dr. Airsoft take over. No kidding, foo. This is Dr. Airsoft giving you 30 minutes of Airsoft deliciousness. And here we are again. It's December. December 2013, Airsoft Medicine, the podcast for information about airsoft safety and protection and more. He's Dr. Airsoft. And you are... Rangemaster Larry. Let's jump right into this. First, we have to follow up with a little message that came to us from Hailstorm X in, what's, how do you pronounce that country? Canada. Yeah. You know, America's hat. The Great White North. He says... Uh, he speaks Canadian. He does. He speaks Canadian. He, he writes in Canadian, but happily we read that. He just says, uh, hey, Dr. Airsoft, I'm a Canadian player that listens to your monthly podcast. I also love the SHOT Show coverage on YouTube, by the way. Yes, Anyway, just wanted to tell you a bit about some of the ops I've been re- uh, been to regarding the November podcast and the 50-hour ops. Remember, somebody asked us about how to survive a 50-hour operation. and We did a whole podcast right. on it. Well, this guy's never done a 50, but he says he's done a 24-hour nonstop um, up in Fort Drum, home of the 10th Mountain. Which is not in Canada. No, it's upstate New York. But they, they suffered the hassles of getting their equipment across the border into the U.S. of A. And that's love. That's love. That's love of the game. If you want to put up with all that happy crap. They did it to yeah. be with us. Yes. Except we weren't there. Well, we weren't there. But anyway, he said it was a 24-hour nonstop game, and the game itself is very doable, and he, he, he had agrees that staying hydrated and pacing oneself, as we mentioned in the podcast, is the perfect advice. Um, so... Anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to get a, a, a little, a little uh, shout-out from uh, the Great White North, and, and he signs off by saying, um, probably, he, you know, he's Canadian, probably sounds like, uh, keep up the good work, guys, and if you can, can, I'd like to hear more than a half hour of airsoft once a month, eh? So, but if you want to have, like, more than half an hour... There's who, a way. There's a way. It's who out you, there. It's um, Jerry. Jerry, Gorilla Airsoft Radio. Gorilla Airsoft. He goes on and on, hours. A little different from ours. They have this little tag for explicit. It has to do with words that and, and mm-hmm. conversation that goes on. But um, apart from that, excellent Airsoft uh, content. Well, now that you mentioned explicit, today's subject has got me kind of worked up. Yeah. And I have some bad words queued up on the back of my tongue. <laughs> you're gonna, have you, do you have any pa- Tourette's patients? Because yeah. you're going to think I got Tourette's. We, we have... Uh, Future airsoft players, mothers and fathers listening. So keep all right, well, mind. I'm you know I'll I'll try to keep it at bay, but um, we may have to get out the um, what's the sound effect you used? The oh, kitty cat. Yeah, sometimes it's tiger meowing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. To, to bleep out the, the naughty words. 
So we are going to do the rest of the show. We are dedicating it to the actions of Senator DeLeon. I, I don't want to dedicate anything to Senator DeLeon. Okay, we're not dedicating it. The guy's it. got a room temperature IQ, and I don't know how he gets reelected every session. Be- because Airsoft is not an organized uh, political action group. Well, let's get our kids worked up here. Maybe they can organize, and we can... See what we can do about stopping. He gets, so, okay, Senator DeLeon, you'll, you'll, let's, let's do a little reset here. SB 798 was the infamous... Uh, rainbow gun law. The rainbow gun law that was proposed uh, for, for the state of California. It got dialed back. It got defeated because... Of awesome organization by Airsoft. The, the buses that came up from Southern California that yep. filled that room, we all stood up, walked in front of the microphone and said who we are and what we cared about. Right. And, and that was triggered by an incident in Los Angeles in which a youth uh, was shot by police officers while said youth was holding an airsoft gun. And, of course, the only possible cause for that tragedy could have been the fact that the police mistook his airsoft gun for a real gun and therefore shot him. Therefore, so, Senator DeLeon's cure, backed by Chief Charlie Beck of LAPD, was let's make all airsoft guns throughout the state require them to be painted a bright color, green, orange, whatever. And, and of course, that will work. That bill got shot down. Um, one passed subsequently, which allows the uh, municipalities within the county of Los Angeles to pass their own local ordinances however they see fit. It doesn't prescribe to them how they can do it. And as of yet, I've not heard of anything happening. Um, well, actually, in one of these press releases that I bumped across, there is a... Uh, There's something cooking. Yeah, there is something cooking. Let me just jump ahead to it. It says here that... Um, let's see. Okay, what I'm reading from is a um, an article called Legislation Regarding Toy Guns. Santa Rosa Teen Tragedy Highlights the Need for Imitation Gun Regulations. And this is written by Tiala Schaff, the communications director for Senator Noreen Evans of Santa Rosa, to no one's surprise, a Democrat, like Senator DeLeon. And she is the co-author or, or, uh, of a bill that's about to be released probably in January of 2014. Uh, but at the tagged on at the end of this, getting back to the concept, it says the city of Los Angeles is in the process of developing a local ordinance, which will likely be enacted in the coming months. No. So film at 11. They, yeah. they don't know what this ordinance, they haven't teased us out with what the ordinance is or going to be. Uh, could be the worst. It, it could be very bad. It could be bad stuff. I'm sorry, it was ordinance for the county of Los Angeles? City. City of Los Angeles. The City of Angels. Okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking about all of those airsoft retailers down there and how it may affect them, but I don't think many of them are in L.A. City. Yeah. Well, and okay. Air, Air Splat just opened a store down in Southern California. I don't know if it's in LA County or not. I suspect it is, though. Well, let's let's cut to it. Uh, speaking of LA, let's go right to the LA Times. LA Times. This is uh, dated November twenty second, twenty thirteen, the fiftieth anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. I must say, uh, a month after sheriff deputies shot and killed a thirteen year old Northern Californian who was carrying an airsoft gun. State lawmakers said Friday they plan to introduce legislation to require such guns to be painted bright colors to help law enforcement distinguish them from deadly firearms. The death of Andy Lopez in Santa Rosa, who was carrying a replica of an AK-47, might have been prevented if deputies could have determined the gun was not a real assault weapon, lawmakers said. Here's Kevin DeLeon. He says, 
When officers must make split-second decisions on whether or not to use deadly force, these replica firearms can trigger tragic consequences. Yes, I emphasize that word intentionally. By making toy guns more obvious to law enforcement, we can help families avoid the terrible grief of losing a child. Well, yes, it is a tragedy. Yes. I, I object to the use of toy, though, in, in, in describing airsoft, but they can't seem to get past that. Uh, De Leon plans to reintroduce a measure he wrote in 2011 that would have required BB guns to be painted a bright color. That bill was requested by LAPD Chief Charlie Beck in response to an incident in which 13-year-old Rayahant Gomez was shot and left a paraplegic when police mistook his replica firearm for a real weapon. That bill failed passage in an assembly committee. Uh, the, the new bill will be jointly offered by, and they list the legislators. And then it goes on to say this uh, Senator Evans from Santa Rosa says, currently these copycat toys are manufactured to be virtually indistinguishable from real firearms because the use of lethal force against a person carrying an imitation firearm is a significant threat to public safety. Toys must look like toys and not lethal weapons. So they, they've got it all figured out. And, um, so, so the communications director for this very same, uh, Noreen Evans, has written a, a little kind of a press release article I found uh, connected to the Sonoma County Gazette, the uh, home county to Santa Rosa. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to try to get past the stuff that uh, I just read because the LA Times has pretty much covered that. Uh, skibbity, skibbity. Uh, in the coming legislature, this is uh, daily on, in the coming legislative session, he said, I plan to reintroduce my bill that would require all BB, pellet, and airsoft guns to have their entire exterior surfaces painted a bright color, said Senator Kevin DeLeon. This will give police an opportunity to easily identify toy guns for what they really are and avoid these types of tragedies. Toy gun replicas do not belong on the streets. Well, I agree with him there. We are in agreement. We are all on the same page on that. Yes. They endanger children, teens, and law enforcement. We can easily protect everyone involved with this simple solution. Of course, it's a complex problem, but we have a simple solution. My strongest hope is that we can enact legislation this time so no more families are forced to suffer the terrible grief the Lopez family has suffered today. Ah, here's my favorite part. A 1990s study commissioned by the Department of Justice found that there are more than 200 incidents per year in which imitation guns are mistaken for real firearms. Well, I would first point out that Senator DeLeon and his people can't find anything more current than 23-year-old data. Uh, more than 200 incidents per year in which imitation guns are mistaken for real firearms, it says. Well, you know, we work hard for our listening audience. I have found that very 1990 study commissioned by the Department of Justice, and that actually turns out that it was uh, it was actually the, uh, let's see, what is it here? It's the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Let me jump ahead to that 200. Yeah, that figure. It's 252. And it's actually incidents where an officer has used actual force, deadly or less lethal, less than lethal, based on on the belief that an imitation gun was real. In other words, this is not the same thing as a mistake as it's, as it's characterized in this press release. Um, and if, I, if we 
dive into the report itself, we will discover that oftentimes those, quote, toy guns were being used in a fashion so as to make the, the, the people uh, watching believe they were real. In other words, I'm holding up a liquor store with this gun, or I am threatening the police with a gun, or whatever. I, I want to make people think it's a real gun. Those kind of things are in the 252. It's not 252 13-year-olds walking mm, to their friend's house? I'm sorry, it's not. I'm sorry. It's, it's not? A, yeah. Anyway, early 90s, right? Right. It's an early 90s kind of thing. Oh, there's another interesting statistic right next to it. There were 1,128 incidents in the same period of time um, based on the uh, law enforcement agencies that they were able to poll and, and gather data from. Incidents, 1,128 incidents where an officer has warned or threatened the use of force based on the belief that the gun was real. In other words, drop the weapon. And okay. weapon got dropped and nobody got shot and you know everybody either went home happy or the mope got arrested for um you know the the fact that you're using a toy gun in a robbery doesn't get you off the hook for an armed robbery right right so um there were far more cases where people walked away okay and and the, the this over 252 figure includes um things other than shooting physically subduing yeah, well, yeah, less lethal would be uh, whacked with a baton. Okay. Yeah. That kind of, or tasered. Okay, nice. You know, yeah. Do the neutron dance. Anyway, um, I, I, I hate to get all wonkish on you, but there are, um, I got to give you the kind of the, the background, um, Bureau of Justice statistics, research methods, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I'll boil it down for you. They tried to survey all municipal police and consolidated PDs serving populations of more than 50,000 um, and all sheriff's departments with 100 or more sworn employees and all primary state police agencies. The total survey response rate was 70% with a usable response rate of 65.5%, whatever that means. In other words, I guess some, so, some opted not to answer yeah. or whatever. And they, they made um, site visits. I'll give you a quick rundown of who they, who they talked to. Uh, just a few. L.A., uh, Las, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police, LAPD, how about that? Um, Harris County, Texas, Office of the Sheriff, that's uh, the where Houston is. In fact, they did the Houston PD as well. San Bernardino County Sheriff, San Francisco Police, and the uh, local offices of the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms in Detroit, Houston, Las Vegas, uh, and Washington, D.C., Overland Park, Kansas Police Department, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of cops. A lot of incidents, and they were fairly thorough. So, cutting to the the um, executive summary, the major findings between Jan oh, there's the date range between January 1, 1985, and September 1, 1989, 458 police departments. That's who they who who uh, participated ultimately reported. 5,654 robberies known to be committed with an imitation gun. Robbery investigators interviewed estimated that on the average, 15% of all robberies are committed with imitation guns. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> I never knew it was that high. Okay, got a hairball here. Hang on. <clears throat> okay, you can blip that out if you want. In the same time period, police departments reported 8,128 known assaults with imitation guns. So these are people acting to fool with the guns. Um, 
let me cut right down to the really interesting. Um, in nearly all cases examined where officers used deadly force against a person who turned out to be carrying a toy gun, it was found that officers followed police procedure properly. No investigations resulted in criminal charges or discipline. Nearly all items, uh, as, as uh, let's see, I, I, I should back up on this sentence. DEA agents have reported seizing toy guns, most frequently um, replicas of Uzis and Tech Nines, during drug raids. Nearly all such items were seized at crack houses. They go on to say in the body of the report that, uh, you know, because they couldn't get real guns, they needed these, so they, they, they didn't get ripped off by other druggies. Hmm. <clears throat> now, there are five incidents, excuse me, five factors that cumulatively interact that affect the officer's decision to fire. Briefly, they are the nature of the dispatch call, you know, the, the tone of voice that the dispatcher is saying, you know, man with a gun or whatever. Officer expectations, in other words, based on what he knows about the neighborhood he's about to roll into. Um, environment at the scene of the incident, what does he see when he rolls up? So you got to figure that a lot of times these guys are rolling up, they're already at DEFCON 3. They're a little twitchy. Shape and design of the gun. A finding repeated in every incident was that the shape or design of the gun was a paramount factor in the officer's decision. Many of the imitation guns are modeled after real weapons. Even those made of plastic look real. Okay, we all get that. But do you know what's the number one factor? The number one the factor. The number one factor in the shooting incidents examined by researchers, the factor ultimately influencing the officer's decision to shoot behavior. was behavior. The action of the individual. The actions were more than simply pointing the weapon, but included such things as overt threatening movements, shouting, and even acting like they were going to shoot at the officer. There you go. So, cop rolls up, says, um, you know, drop it. Maybe you ought to do that. Oh, now, this is a 1990 study. I got to get a just little, little comic relief here. They, they, they explained to us in 1990 what airsoft is. Airsoft guns were tra- originally produced by the Japanese as a sporting alternative to firearms and traditional pneumatic guns, which are virtually unattainable for private citizens under Japanese law. It says right here that they are capable of firing as much as a 150 feet per second. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> that, that's back when that would hurt tokyo marui was the uh <laughs> the big thing uh, 150 feet per second your thoughts doc i mean you know i've been rattling on here for for a while well chewing I, up I, uh, air time and you you talked about some of the factors that are important in the decision i went ahead and did a little bit of a search on some other type of events that have occurred involving a police officer most of the time, firing upon an individual. So let me go through this list, and I'll be able to, at a future date, post this on our website, airsoftmedicine.com, so that you can get a hold of this entire list. So uh, one was from the Seattle Times, where a man was shot dead, clutching a television remote control. Mm -hmm. Another one from the UK, a man and wife were arrested. Apparently, the man was holding a television Remote control. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the show he was about to play. Las Vegas Sun. A cell phone mistaken for a gun. Officer shoots the man who was holding the cell phone. Uh, this one, I don't have where it occurred. 
And it was not um, an airsoft gun, but a three-year-old. A three-year-old fatally shot in the head by police while holding a pink gun. Okay. You know, that that does sound very uh, inflammatory. I'd really like to know the details behind that one. Well, you can get them from the link that okay. I'm going to give you. And everybody else will have. Okay, and then this is Pennsylvania. Man shot by police holding under, underwear. His <laughs> underwear was mistaken for a gun. Hold on, we're not done. Here's another one. Uh, I don't have the location here, but on the link you can find it. Police shoot a man holding a Bible above his head, mistaking it for a gun. By the way, he was probably using the Bible incorrectly. Yes. Uh, actually, I do remember some more details on that one and the uh, the term suicide by cop. Ah, yeah. Uh, apparently, after he was shot, he then uh, laid into another police officer. Which which reminds me, uh, you know, there's so much stuff in this this uh, justice report. Yeah. But many of them are exactly that. They're they're mentally unbalanced people. Back in 1990, lot- they had. They had they had they, cra- they had cre- crazy people in 1990 as well. Yes, they existed. <laughs> Thank then. you. Yes, uh, and then another one that had nothing to do with uh, someone being shot. So this was not a police officer using a gun, but there was a deadly car chase. So somebody did die because police mistook pizza for a gun. It'd be like the incident where the kid, the guy, his, uh, you know, the the little uh, toaster pop tart or whatever into the shape of a. Yeah, yeah, except we don't know what this pizza well, looked okay, like. okay, so crazy people. Um, here, here's the deal. Like, like you point out, these 200 incidents that the, the article that, that uh, Senator Evans' uh, press person wants to cite, 252 uh, uh, incidents, not everybody died, not everybody was a child, most were committing crimes or were acting dangerously or, or were crazy and therefore acting dangerously, and all, in all cases, the cops acted within the scope of their training. You know, that's like uh, four and a half incidents a month. That's over a 56-month period. It's not like it's happening every day. I mean, you know, that's, that's more incidents than you'd like to see. But really, honestly, how many of them are the innocent 15-year-old? As, and, I, and I don't know the circumstances of the Santa Rosa incident either. Every time it happens to the innocent 13 or 15-year-old, we know about every one of them because they are in the national news. Right. Well, it's like plane crashes. You know about all of those. Too. We know about every one of them because they happen so rarely. You know, relatively and, and because they're so sensational. Oh, you know, sure. Yeah, you Combination know, of the you, two, which is why that. many of these cases that I just described, people say, "Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that one." But okay, so the solution is what we're going we're to paint them all pink, paint them all orange, or whatever. Oh, that really helped the three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, that was did. a real gun. Well, too. how about this? Um, let me see. Um, police officer firearms training. Um, and this is based on what, what cops are, are, are talking and telling the studies. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. What does it say? One respondent, and I thought he summed up, a gun is a gun is a gun. Brightly colored toy guns, replicas, starter pistols, etc., are guns. As long as the item in question has the general shape and appearance of a gun, any type of gun, it should be considered and handled as a real gun, or are treated uh, by the officers as a real gun. In other words, they're not going to roll up there and think first, oh, that's just a toy. I'm going to relax my my state of alertness. Yeah. They're probably going to treat it, it, you know, the cops roll, rolls up there, 
he's going to treat that as if it's a gun until he proves otherwise. Which is exactly why those of us with airsoft guns should also treat them as if they are a real gun, except for when we're actually skirmishing. Right. Which, Every other time, it should be in a case. Yes. So that nobody sees it who's not a part of the game. Well, maybe a bright pink gun, though, would, would deter police, don't you think? I, I give to you the Cheaper Than Dirt December catalog, the Christmas catalog, here on page... Uh, what page is that, Doctor? This is page 14. Page 14 I'm of the Cheaper Than 14. Dirt Christmas catalog. And what do you see, Doctor? I see, among all the other pistols, three that are brightly colored pink. Two of them are Walther... Is it... Uh, P99, is that what that is? Yeah, it's their uh, model of their 22 long rifle. They can't possibly be dangerous. I th- two of them are our 22 long rifle, and one of them's a... 9mm. Uh, a 9mm, yeah. But because they're pink, they can't possibly be dangerous. So, yeah, there are gun manufacturers that are making pink and other colored guns uh, for sale to the general public. Um, I'm, I am don't want to profile or tie, but I imagine those are being marketed to women. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's fairly safe. In fact, the the color of that one is considered what? Uh, birthday cake pink. That's the description, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, gee, would you feel safe brandishing that in public? <gasps> no way. Um, no, I think that would get you shot too. So the pink color is not going to help you, is it? Yeah, I think the behavior is a big part of it. Uh, I, I believe there may be, you, you said back in 1990 when they reviewed the cases that every one of the officers was found to be acting within the scope acting. of their training. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be true for all these cases we're hearing about now. We're hearing an awful lot of stuff out there about the Santa Rosa case. Well, let's see. Um, I, 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 and the, there'll be a, a civil suit that will bring all that oh, out. I'm sure. And when in fact the, uh, the, well, actually, the, there already is. Well, the Los Angeles suit, uh, ended up in a million dollar settlement to that family. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's probably a, a cut and run type of suit. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Um, yeah. Reading on in the, uh, in the, uh, justice, uh, thing, justice report it says, uh, the lesson to officers is that any gun, regardless of color, must be treated as a real threat, and no distinction between guns should be made until the situation is under control. Similarly, officers are trained that anyone can pose a threat with a gun, regardless of age or sex. Thus, officers are told that even when encountering a youth with a gun, it should be treated as a life-threatening circumstance. Um, and this, it was kind of, I won't say before the apparent prevalence of school shootings, but I, I don't recall how many had actually taken place up to that point that, that this uh, article was written. So yeah. And, and, and the young gang bangers, you know, oftentimes the youngsters are the ones holding the gun Yeah, because, well, they're, they're minors, right? If they get, if they get bagged, they don't, they don't do as much time. That's right. That's why you have young members to your gang. So you can have them do those things so that you don't get yeah. in trouble. So, um, Senator DeLeon, I think uh, painting the guns pink is not going to really help. But here's the proposal. Here it comes, kids. Here's the, it says, amend penal code section 16250 to define BB device as any instrument that expels a projectile, such as a BB or a pellet, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And amend current penal code section 6700 to require all BB guns to be classified as imitation firearms. BB guns will be required to adhere to the regulations that govern imitation firearms and be, will be required to have their entire exterior painted a bright color. Yeah. Yay, Airsoft, here it comes again. Yeah. 
So look for it to come in sometime in January. They'll unveil it with much hoopla, and um, but we'll uh, we'll stand by to fight. And yeah, check at uh, airsoftmedicine.com and our Facebook page for how you can help keep this from happening. And we never even got into the problem of making airsoft guns look more toy-like and what that means for little brothers who are able to, or little but sisters. they're not toys. End up hurting themselves with them. So that's all we have for this month. We thank you for your uh, attention. And we do need you to subscribe and have all your friends subscribe because we do have a bit of a legislative battle coming up that we need everybody to participate in so we can win like we did against those other two bills. And our next... Other one bill. We didn't lose. And our next broadcast will be from uh, SHOT Show or shortly thereafter. Okay. So until next time, this is Range Master Larry and Dr. Airsoft telling you to play safely. Spartan Imports Incorporated is one of North America's largest distributors of premium quality airsoft products for military training and recreational purposes. Our major product lines have full warranties, and we offer comprehensive in-house, dealer, and consumer technical support. Among the many brands and items we carry, Spartan Imports is the exclusive distributor of Magpul licensed PTS airsoft products, Classic Army and Javelin brands of airsoft guns, and Amp Tactical and Mag brands of high-quality airsoft and recreational shooting optics and accessories.